Hey, Debrief listeners, before we kick off this week's episode, we want to give you a heads up about the content. We'll be discussing some intense subjects today. First, we're going to be delving into the recent violent events in Israel, a topic that can be emotionally charged for many. So please be prepared for a candid conversation about it. In addition, we'll be addressing questions related to abuse and pornography. These are sensitive topics and we'll be handling them with care and respect, but they may not be suitable for all listeners. If you're up for these discussions, great, stay tuned. If you'd rather opt for a different episode, no problem at all. We've got a range of topics to explore. Thanks for hanging out with us, and let's go into this week's episode. Welcome to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown, the podcast where pastor and author Matt Brown debriefs your questions about Christianity and current issues shaping our culture. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Debrief Podcast with Matthew Stephen Brown. Yes. I am this week's host, Donna Martin, and let's jump right in. I'm yeah. excited to get to these questions. These are amazing. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for these questions. I read some of them before. Yes, I was like, like, whoa. It's like International Debrief. This is awesome. Okay. So mm-hmm. our first one is from Anonymous. Okay. Annie Moss. Annie Moss. It says, first, what is going on in Israel? Right. Wow. Second, is there a certain way I'm supposed to feel about it? Yeah. Um, you know... I think that I have a couple of emotions on this. First, obviously, is just deep sadness. I was yeah. actually depressed when I saw this happening. And, um, you know, I think that my challenge to the church was be spiritual, not political. And I think that all too often what we do is we run to our political camps. And, you know, I just w- went to the Lord and there was just deep grief. Mm. And it just... You know, it broke my heart. I don't know if you guys remember all, all the geeks in here. Uh, remember Star Wars, the original Star Wars, when the planet blows up and Obi-Wan Kenobi just like is, you know, and he feels the loss. And I think that there's there's a part of our Christian spirituality where we've lost that because we've become so political. We're not spiritual. And there should just be a deep sense of loss. Mm-hmm. But what we tend to do is we run to our political camps and the thing that I, I just want to say to everybody listening to this podcast that's a Christian, if there are not some aspects of Christianity that don't embarrass you and deeply trouble you, you're probably not a real Christian. Mm. And I think that's the thing that's missing from, from everyone in the world is I can't just cheer for the Christians. Um, I can't just cheer for the whites. Do you hear how bad that sounds? Like for you as a black woman, there needs to be some things that happen in the black community that bother you and embarrass you deeply Correct. if you're an authentic person. Right. And I don't know what it is about race, religion, and politics where we can't go, okay, I'm on this side, I'm on this team, but right. this is but that's wrong. wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I want to say this in all seriousness, I don't know that there's hope for us as humanity if we cannot see the evil in our own ranks and I have, I, I have friends that live in Israel. I have friends who are trapped in Israel right now as we speak because there are still terrorists uh, in areas of southern um, Israel. And one of my friend's grandmother is in this house. Grandchildren are in this house. His wife is in this house. And their neighbors have been killed. Like they've come in, knocked on the door, and burst their way in, brought the family into the living room, and killed them all. Um, there's beheadings, there's rapings that are taking place. And then when I see pro-Palestinian people marching in the streets, 
you know, asking for equal justice. And I, I don't know what to do for that. And so let me just say this. Israel's not a perfect country. It's a country. It's a government. Mm -hmm. Just like our our country and our government is not perfect. Mm -hmm. Our government commits sins. Our government does things that are wrong. But we we instead of being left wing or right wing, we need to learn to stand on the truth. And what is the truth? Killing innocents, killing babies, raping women. I, I don't care what your argument is when that is your choice to express your political opinion, you're wrong, you're evil, that's evil. And so many young people in our country cannot discern. Look, when those uh, Gazan terrorists parachuted into the concert, they didn't just kill Jews. Right. They killed Arab Palestinians that were there celebrating. Anybody that was there, yeah. They killed Americans mm-hmm. that were there celebrating. Uh, together. Mm-hmm. And so that's the thing is, is, is Israel is, is a complex, constantly evolving situation. I have Arab friends that are, that live in Israel that are pro-Palestinian. Their kids serve in the military. They want to live in Israel. And you say, well, why is that? Because it's better. Israel, as, as broken as Israel is, it is better than any other country in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. You are freer. You are better off, uh, you know, so many of my liberal friends, they want they want socialized medicine here. Israel has socialized medicine. The terrorists who killed these Israelis will be treated in Israel hospitals. Mm-hmm. And they will be cared for. What is happening in Gaza? They are being beheaded. They are being burned. They are being destroyed. To, to, to express how bad Gaza is, I had a friend of mine who was friends with a missionary that was in Gaza before 2005 when everybody pulled out. And so many young people don't understand. They say free Palestine. Gaza is free. It is an independent nation, and they are allowed to do whatever they want since 2005 or six when mm-hmm. Israel pulled out. And what they, unfortunately, what the government officials, not the Gazan people, because I don't want you and yeah. I to be held accountable for what Trump or Biden right. says. Like you Absolutely. and I, we're, we're, we're Americans, and we don't always get to, uh, determined, like I didn't want to be locked down. Right. I didn't have a choice in that. My government made that choice for me. And so a lot of Gazans want peace. They can't speak out. They can't, they can't march in protest. Mm-hmm. Um, but a friend of mine ran a Christian bookstore in Gaza. that's no longer there, but he led a Gazan Muslim to Christ. Do you want to know what happened to that Gazan Muslim in the streets of Gaza? He was tied by his neck behind mm-hmm. a truck and dragged through the streets until he died. This was in 2004. Wow. And his body was left unburied in the streets. And, you know, according to Muslim law, he needs to be buried yeah. within 24 hours. And nothing happened to the individuals who recorded this and did this publicly. Hmm. Nothing. And so, you know, many of my gay friends, my trans friends, uh, my uber-liberal progressive friends, you would be thrown off buildings in right, Gaza for right. what you believe. Uh, Mia Khalifa, the porn star mm-hmm. who's come out and said, look, I'm I'm for uh, Palestine. She would be murdered. Yeah, absolutely. She would be murdered by the people that she celebrates. I don't agree with her lifestyle. I don't agree with her choices. But she could live freely in Israel and do what she chooses to do, even though I think it's morally wrong. Uh, now, are there crazy Jews? Yeah. <laughs> there, there Are there things that are happening right now to Christians in Israel that I disagree with? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the fundamentalists who are Jews in Israel, 
I have deep issues with them. I have problems with them. I do not like interacting with them. Yeah. Jews are people. Have you ever met a black person you don't like? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> I don't care what your race is, what your right. religion is. There are aspects of your society, your people, your group that are broken people. Uh, one of my favorite interviews with Tupac before he died was he just talked about, he said, look, the crackhead who lives next door to my mama don't care that I'm black. Right. Absolutely. He's going to rape my mama and right. beat me up right. because he's evil. Right. And so what we need to do as Christians is quit looking black, white, quit looking Jew, Gentile, quit looking Palestinian, Israel. We need to say, is this Israel or is this not? And unfortunately, truth has become in America a fundamentalist right wing perspective. And it just makes me so sad. Yeah. The fact that even Barack Obama is being condemned for, for mm. coming out and saying this is heinous. Yeah, absolutely. This is disgusting. Um, and to put this in perspective for, you know, um, all of our young people who feel like the Palestinians are mistreated, number one, I would encourage you to do, do some real research on the conflict. Uh, Hezbollah is now shooting rockets. Those are yeah. Palestinian refugees in Lebanon who, listen to me, have not been treated fair in Lebanon. They've never been given citizenship in Lebanon. They are forced to live in slums in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. Lebanon has done that to them. The same thing in Jordan, the same thing in parts of Egypt. Uh, you know, all of these Arab countries could bring these Palestinians into their countries. In Saudi Arabia, I got news for you. There's nothing but land. Mm -hmm. There, There is more than enough room for these people, but they don't want that because... They want the Palestinians to remain mistreated so that there's an issue and an axe to grind. It's like so many of the issues that we face in America. If you're a black person, does the political party that you vote for ever want you to not be poor? Right, right. Because they have power when you're poor. Right. And, and so who are the people that truly want to set you free? And it, it drives me crazy. Don't root for a te team, root for truth. Mm -hmm. And so there are some times when white conservative evangelicals and I am those three are deeply wrong. Yeah. And I have to be ashamed by that, troubled by that and speak out against that because I must be on the side of truth. And in this issue, um, Gaza is not Palestine. It's not the West bank. It's not Lebanon. These people, and not the people of Gaza, but the politicians who are in power. Right. And by the way, do you guys know when they came into power, what happened to the party that lost? They it, killed them all. Yeah, I was going to say they, they don't exist them. anymore. Yeah, they murdered every single one of the party they defeated. And so, to say that we need to sit down, we need to negotiate, like uh, uh, some of the the Democratic the the, the squad, what are they called? Right. Uh, Talib or whatever name. Well, Talib got called out because she had a Palestinian flag right next to her rainbow flag. And they're yeah. like, does she not understand no. that those people would be yes. decimated? Everyone her... wearing a rainbow flag would, would die instantly. <laughs> right. And it's it's I think it's an intentional ignorance. Yeah. Or, or maybe it's not. I, I don't know. But what needs to what we need to understand is, um, you know, what happened is it's gross. It's, yeah. It's, call out the evil for what yes. it is. It's evil. Yeah. And right. so. Like I, I was sharing with uh, a friend of mine yesterday, I have a man in our church who went through an ugly divorce. Mm -hmm. He felt mistreated by his wife. He felt lied to. Mm -hmm. He uh, lost his home. He lost his standing. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was so angry that he had been so mistreated by his government, by his family, and by his friends. He beat his ex-wife to the point of death. Wow. And here's what I told him. 
You had a point until. And, and that's what I would say. The Palestinians have a point until. There's no excuse right. for what he Their did. Behavior. There's no excuse for grabbing women out of their cars, grabbing the elderly, decapitating children, murdering these people. I understand there are legitimate grievances. There are legitimate concerns. There is a better way yeah. than what you did. And, 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 and this is the danger of victimhood. When I become a victim... I excuse my evil mm -hmm. to overcome, Somebody and I'm pointing says, at you, yeah, no, but, but you're evil. Right. And this is why scripture is so important for us Christians. Romans says never repay evil with evil. Yeah, ne It doesn't say occasionally. It doesn't say sometimes. Never. Because, you know, this is what happens. Mm -hmm. This is the cycle that we get into. And um, it's why people like Martin Luther King were so important. Right. Because he refused to retaliate and he refused to, you know, violently go against when there was a lot of pressure. You know, Malcolm X had a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a reason we celebrate Martin Luther King Day and not Malcolm X Day mm -hmm. because and not that Malcolm X didn't have legitimate issues. Absolutely. It's just that when you give into evil, you become evil. Right. And it destroys you. And, and 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 Israelis have done that. There's a great movie called Munich where if you go back and watch that, you know, retaliating for the horrific evil that was committed against their athletes in the Olympics. Yeah. But at some point, you you have to to deal with that. And so and so also for so many young people in Israel, there are powerful politicians that are against what's happening to Palestinians, that speak out against it, that want a two-state solution, mm -hmm. that are moving towards that. And there is diversity of thought, and it is legal and protected in Israel. That is not the case yeah. in other countries. It's absolutely not the case. And just so you know, Hamas has bombed and killed people in Egypt. Mm. Hamas bombs and kills people everywhere that they disagree with. And to try, for some of these people to say, well, we just need to sit down and talk. You need to understand these are the same people that got on airplanes. Yeah. This is the same mentality that got on airplanes, sit next They're to terrorists. moms, That's right. that sat next to children, that sat next to your grandmother mm -hmm. and took over the plane and flew it into a building. Mm -hmm. You cannot negotiate with this disease. Yeah. So what we have to do is we have to try to deal with this disease and not become infected by it. And that's my prayer for Israel as they do this. Um because it's going to be difficult to exercise retraint, restraint when the wounds are so deep. Yeah, and so what I would say to everyone is um, Palestinians are mistreated. There are things that are happening in the court system in Israel that I, I disagree with, that I have problems with. Just like you and I, th there are decisions that are rendered in America that I do not agree with. Right, absolutely. And, and we can all appreciate and understand, I mean— What's happening to Donald Trump in these court cases, I would guess, depending on your political position, right. you think either absolutely or you think this is an atrocity. And those same things happen in Israel. So what I would say is let's pray. Mm -hmm. Let's try to remain humble. And I would just encourage you, if you're not depressed or saddened over this, I want to ask you, okay, where's the Holy Spirit in your life mm -hmm. today? Because this, and it's not over. It's, it's not. As yeah. we speak, this is not over. And, you know, you're going to hear this in the left-wing media, innocent Gazans will die. And that, that's gonna, that makes me sad mm -hmm. because the Hamas terrorists will hide behind them. Yeah, they'll use them as human shields. They could care less. Yeah, they no. just want to get their point across. Yes. And there's no one on their side of the government that's protecting their innocent people 
um, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. I woke up this morning feeling really heavy and I was just like, what is going on, Lord? And, and I felt like the Lord just said, you got to cut off the news for a minute. This is, this is rough. This is yes. really bad. And, um, you yeah, know, and many of these leaders, many of these Muslim leaders like Erdogan, he would as soon kill his own people yeah. and destroy his own people who right. disagree with him politically in the name of Islam. Mm-hmm. And and really what it's about is power. It's he power, wants yeah. absolute power. He has imprisoned and incarcerated everyone who opposed mm-hmm. him. There's no free elections there. He's destroyed his country. And so people are saying, well, even Turkey. And it's like, look, man, uh, the Middle East is a rough neighborhood. <laughs> it is a difficult place. And as flawed as Israel is, it is the best place to live yeah. uh, because even in today, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, many of these other countries, all the foreigners who live there do not have rights. Mm-hmm. They, do, they do not have rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to remind everyone that Saudi Arabia outlawed slavery in the 70s, yeah. <laughs> in the 1970s. <laughs> and the truth is, I think it still goes on there yeah. today. And, you know, we talk a lot about slavery here in America. There are more slaves, you guys, in the world today Absolutely. than there were when slavery was legal in the United States. This is, you know, we navel gaze and look to the past. Let's look to the present and deal with the reality. And so, so I I just would say be grieved. Um, you know, I'll put in the notes, a great book that I think is deals with both sides, the mistakes made on both sides during this process. Mm -hmm. But, but ultimately Israel, you know, um, has repeatedly come to the table, has repeatedly tried to find a two state solution and you cannot have a two-state solution when the other side says you have no right to live. Yeah, that's like, it. Doesn't it's not right to your land. You yeah. we don't want you to live. Yeah, yeah, you have no right to yeah. live. And I think both parties have a legitimate right to live in the land. Mm-hmm. I think Jews do, uh, and I think Palestinians do. Mm-hmm. But you, ultimately, what has to win at the end of the day is is the decision to live together. But that's not for me. So I just grieve and pray. Yeah. And hope and, and 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 again, I know we're going to get some comments on this. This is deeply personal to me. I was texting with a good friend of mine last night. He's separated from his wife. Mm. He's in the north. She's in the south. They cannot meet. Um, you know, one of our tour guides that I'm very close to. You know who I'm talking about. Very strong man. He's always we got this. I text him and I said, um, I'm going to use his English name. Moses is his mm-hmm. English name. Mm-hmm. He said, "We're not okay." Yeah. Please pray for us. This is scary, Pastor Matt. Mm-hmm. That's what he said. All tourists have been evacuated. Think yeah, about that. All right. everyone's out. Um, and so, so um, just pray. So let's just pray right now. Yeah, um, absolutely. Heavenly Father, we just pray for Israel right now. We pray for all of those involved. And God, I know some of the criticism has come on my Instagram and from the show. What about the Palestinians? God, we pray for them too. Yes. Lord. There are going to be so many casualties, uh, even of Palestinians who love Israel, who care for Israel, who want peace in Israel. And Lord, that's the problem. When Israel, when evil strikes, Lord, good mm-hmm. people in Israel and Palestine will die and good people in Gaza will die. And they are only in Gaza because they have no other choice and they can go nowhere else. So God, we pray for peace. We pray for nations and leaders to stand up for what is true and right and God, just deliver us from this political yes, insanity of, of my team. Who cares about what team you're on? Lord, stand on the side of truth. Help us to stand on the side of truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Right. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. 
Um, here's another one, anonymous from yeah. Pineville, Louisiana. Yes, love Louisiana. Louisiana, thank you for your sermon series on women. I'm mm. recently divorced from a narcissistic and abusive man after 30 years of marriage. Yeah. During our time attending church and therapy together, the truth of a porn addiction was finally revealed. He was unwilling to give that up. Mm. The teaching of submitting to the leadership of the husband has has in many ways been detrimental for me as I did all I could do to honor my yeah. husband. Please uh, clarify more specifically, what is healthy and unhealthy for our younger and older wives wrestling with how to honor the Lord and also not live in abusive marriages? Yeah, so remember what I said to the previous question, there should be things about your religion that embarrass you. And mm -hmm. this is one of those things mm -hmm. for me. Um, it's why I think it's so important that women should be in leadership in the yeah. church, because I think when you get a bunch of men making decisions, they don't understand what it's like to be a woman in an abusive situation mm -hmm. where you are not stronger, you are not bigger, and your life is in danger. And so I think as a, as a young pastor, um, her name's Anna Moss. Annie Moss. Annie Moss. <laughs> Annie Moss um, when I was a young pastor, I often preached from a place of health and from a place of assumptions. Hmm. And specifically, I remember one time, um, I'm so embarrassed by this, Donna, don't judge me. <laughs> uh, from stage, I said that... Um, a Christian couple should have sex two to three times a week. And there were men in our church hmm. that made their wives do that. Wow. And I remember when a woman was sitting in my office weeping because her abusive husband made her hmm. have sex with him. And it broke me. Hmm. And I realized, okay, the, the problem with their marriage wasn't sex. Right. Their problem was he was an abuser. And so... You know, so even when I'm answering this question, I'm making the assumption that what she's saying is true. I'm making the assumption that he was narcissist, right? I'm making assumptions. And and just so you know, everyone, the truth is so hard to figure out. Mm. And uh, I think it's Proverbs 17, 14. Can somebody look it up? The first to speak seems true until he's cross-examined. And I have just learned so many times our friends lie to us, yeah. our coworkers lie to us. And, you know, it's like Ashton Kutcher got in all that trouble because he wrote a, 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 a letter for his friend who right. was raping his girlfriend. Right. You don't know <laughs> what people are doing in their bedroom. You, I, you don't know, you know, it's, uh, always the mama on TV, not my son. I'm like, right. you don't, you don't know yeah. your son. You right. don't know what he does when you're not around. And so we have to understand that evil is real. And so here's what I would say for every woman, Yes, the Bible says that women should submit to their husbands, but the preceding verse that is so often forgotten says, submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. So the way that I teach that, Annie Moss, is that a woman is only required to submit to a husband who is submitting to you in reverence for Christ. Yeah. Submission is mutual mm -hmm. or nothing at all. Mm -hmm. um, so oftentimes, you know, uh, the Bible says in, in Genesis chapter two that God made a woman a helper suitable for him. And so we, in the English language, we take that word helper and we make it like, uh, what, what's that movie about the, the black ladies from Louisiana, the help, help yeah. or Mississippi. So in English, the word helper or the help is subservient. Mm -hmm. But the word used in Genesis two is the same word that God uses to describe him in right. how he helps us. Mm -hmm. It is an empowering and a source of strength help. So a woman is not to be subservient. A woman is a strong and ever-present help for a man in his weakness. Right. And that's what it's for. And I started to preach there. Sorry about that. Um, and so, <laughs> so what I would say is there is chauvinism in the church. Yeah. 
and it's wrong, it's sinful, and it's gross. And it's something that we need to repent from as a church, just as I think feminism is something that should be repented from in the church. You know, when, uh, I forget, what was the famous uh, Supreme Court justice who said how many women should be on the Supreme Court? And she said nine. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I love a lot of things that Ruth Bader Ginsburg said. And a lot of conservatives don't know this, but she was the first, she was the most outspoken liberal who said Roe versus Wade was wrong. Mm. Wow. That's what she said. Mm. She said it went too far. Mm -hmm. And um, because it should never have given women carte blanche uh, permission to abort at any time. Mm -hmm. Because what it said is it can't be regulated. And she was like, wait a minute. Yeah. This is too far. Right. So, um, and a lot of conservatives don't know that. But nine women on this, that's just as dumb as nine men. It's not helpful. And so, you know, what we want to do is we want to have women in leadership. We want to have men in leadership. Um, You know, chauvinism is just bad as feminist. So what I would say is what we need is we need to challenge couples to have a healthy marriage. Yeah. Not a subservient marriage. Right. You know, I was just told that uh, one of our ex-employees got married. They don't attend Sandals Church anymore, but in their, in their wedding vows, the pastor of this new church said, when he's not godly, just submit and pray to God about that. And, and the actual text is that Paul uses is for an unbelieving husband. Right. Absolutely. He right. quoted a verse and it's no, 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 girl. Right. If he's a Christian, mm-hmm. he responds to the Lord. And it's the same thing Paul says to Philemon, who's the slave master. He says, hey, Philemon, you have a master. That's right. And I am sending um, this man to you, not as a slave, but as a brother. Yeah. And he goes, I could tell you what to do, which I won't. <laughs> But then he does. I love the Apostle Apostle Paul does. And he's like, look, you owe your spiritual life to me. And so I just think that there's so much culturally that's broken here because, you know, a male-dominated chauvinist society is not biblical. Right. It was American. It was British. But it's not biblical. And so we need to have strong women. You know, I don't know if you've ever met a woman that's— I want to be a Proverbs 31 woman and, and she stays at home. I'm like, well, then get a job because <laughs> yeah. a Proverbs 31 woman That's is right. working. She's working. She's handling she her has, business. And she has servants. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so a strong woman, you know, has an opinion, has a voice. And it's so, so important. Yeah, absolutely. And they're actual um, in the Hebrew language. Ata is the pronoun uh, for masculinity mm-hmm. in Hebrew and at is feminine. Mm-hmm. There are actually instances in the scripture where God is referred to with ought mm-hmm. in the wow. feminine pronoun because male and female both reflect the image of right. God, both reflect the character right. of God. And so people don't know that. And so what I would say is I'm sorry that was wrong. Narcissists only love one thing themselves. Narcissists don't love Jesus. I don't care how much they quote That's Jesus. Right. They don't love Jesus. They are broken. And I, I was in an unhealthy relationship with a narcissist for 20 years. And the only thing I could do was break it off. I created a boundary. I don't speak to him. I don't yeah. talk to him anymore. And he he gets all choked up and cries in the name of Jesus when he prays over our food. But he lives like Satan relationally. <laughs> and I just, there's no confronting him. There's yeah. no talking to him. He's just evil. Mm-hmm. And he's a narcissist. And I, and I thought, wrongly, Donna, I could change him. I could help him. And I just, I couldn't. And yeah. I, I had to let him go. And that was tough. And so we don't speak. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm sorry, Annie Moss. That's wrong. And that's, again, that's an aspect of conservative Christianity 
that is broken. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's my complaint with the Southern Baptist Convention. There were instances where women were raped at seminaries mm -hmm. and they were told to pray about it. Like, it's like, what? Yeah. You know, now, thank God, those seminary presidents were disposed and, and fired, mm -hmm. but it only came out years later. And why is that? Because there were no women right, to speak. in leadership to yeah. speak out and say this is wrong. Yeah. So, Very good. Thank yeah. you. Awesome. I know, man, I'm preaching today. Yes. We're going to okay. get through like Carolyn three questions. Yeah, Carolyn from Berlin, Germany. Whoa. I know. Hi, Carolyn. Um, hi, Pastor Matt and the Sandals Church team. I've been wondering for a while how we can deal with the fear arising from not yet knowing God's plan for us in the areas we are that are deeply important to yeah. us. So for example, I can't help wondering if I'll ever have a husband and kids. I'm 25 now. And the more time passes, the more I fear that maybe I am not even meant to have this mm. as I know that not everyone is meant to live this way. However, I have dreamt of being a wife and mother since I was a little girl and I've prayed mm. about it more often than I can count. Do I just need to let it go or hold on to this vision for my future? Yeah. What's her name? Her name's Carolyn. Carolyn, I have a book coming out March 5th next year called Everyday a Miracle. And one of the things, one of the chapters is on waiting. Yeah. That's waiting. Cool. How do you know God's will? So there's two chapters. One is discerning God's will and one is learning waiting. to wait. And so what I would say is read both those chapters. And I don't know that it'll be translated in German, but I'm assuming she speaks English. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I would really work through both of those. The hardest thing when you're when you're praying for something and wanting something is waiting. Mm -hmm. And so I would say you're 25. Yeah. <laughs> so you there's, good, there's some there's some time. <laughs> but, you know, Western culture is shifting. Young men don't want to get married. They don't know how to pursue. And one of the things that has changed the mind of men is pornography. They don't, they no longer know how to pursue women. Mm -hmm. So what porn does, if you're a man, is it turns you into the woman. She pursues you. She wow. comes after you. She is actually the male in the relationship. Mm -hmm. So God has designed men to pursue That's women. Good. And so in a traditional society, right, you know, Sex is not the reason for marriage, but it is a strong goal for a lot of men. And that's a, that's a very, very strong thing. And so if they're getting sex outside of that, if they're getting sex with porn, that's what's happening. And so many young men are, 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 are battling that. And if you're a guy that's battling for that, I'm praying for you. We have sexual freedom that meets on Tuesday nights at Sandals Church. Just go up and say, you don't even have to say, hey, I'm struggling with porn. Just say, hey, I would like right. information about the, the men's group on Tuesday nights. Mm -hmm. They'll know what you mean, you know, and you can you know, right. wink. Absolutely. Um, so, but, but we need that. And so what I would just say is just bring that before the Lord, sit and wait patiently, and then put yourselves in situations where you're hanging out with men who want to be married. And so my assistant, three assistants ago, her name was Stephanie. And I think she got married in her thirties. I can't remember, but she was brokenhearted over this mm -hmm. and it really bothered her. And this was the prayer of her heart. And I don't know that you'll have to wait six more years but, you know, I, I love her husband. He's a fantastic guy. Mm -hmm. I'm super proud of him. They have two kids now. And I got to watch God answer that prayer. I yeah. actually cried at her wedding yeah. when um, I got to do the ceremony. And so I would just say, bring this before the Lord. I cannot promise you that you'll get married. Mm -hmm. But what I would say is marriage is a good thing. Yeah. So it can be a God thing. So pray for that and just bring it before the Lord and be willing to wait patiently. And what I would say is singleness is a beautiful season of your life. Learn whatever you can. And what I tell Stephanie all the time when her marriage is hard or kids are real hard, I was like, remember we prayed for this, right? <laughs> because marriage is hard and it, it is, is challenging. And I know your husband is amazing, but 
he's a human being, which he's means human. he's a sinner. Right. And you're a sinner, which I mean, it's hard to believe that Donna sins, but <laughs> you do. did once, one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, once, yeah. that one day. <laughs> yeah. But marriage is very, very challenging. And so singleness provides challenges, but so does marriage. So does marriage. And so what I would say to the Christian is we have to learn to trust God in whatever season we're in. We have to learn to trust him in marriage and we have to learn to trust him in singleness. Yeah. And and so what I would say is don't have sex, don't compromise, but learn to wait and, and wait for that man who's waiting for you. Because mm-hmm. there could be a man, and I don't know if it's in Berlin, Germany or not, but oftentimes in bigger cities, it's harder to get married. Yeah. So you may need to get out of the big city because you know, cities are not made for marriage. And it's why when couples get married and have kids, guess what they do? The they leave the yeah. city. And and I know all the people are like, oh my gosh, the suburbs are more conducive to family life. The city is tough on families. Some people do it. Typically it's super poor or the super wealthy, mm-hmm. but middle income people t- typically get out of the city because it just is not conducive to married life. But I'll be praying for you. Yeah. And I don't know what God's will is. And here's the thing to everybody listening. Oftentimes we don't. We don't. But we have to trust him anyways, because God is good. And, and I'll be praying for you. Yeah. And, and you know how people say, Donna, life is short. Let me say this to her. Life is long. So don't, you're not, you're, I know she thinks her biological clock is ticking. Life is long. And whoever this guy is, he's worth the wait. So I have so many amazing, beautiful, incredible, of course, this is my yeah. opinion, friends in that are closer to my age, late thirties, yeah. never married, never, mm-hmm. you know, no kids. And we're like, Jesus, where are the, where yes. are the boys? Where yeah. are the men father? Like, and I've been praying for a particular friend, um, mm. for several years for this, but she is thriving. Yeah. I mean, she's not, yeah. you know, she serves in a church, she yeah. pastors at her church. She's thriving. She is amazing. And I just go, Lord, like give her, keep giving her the grace mm. and, but send the man. <laughs> yeah. And I would say this on it, the stronger, the woman, the more intimidating. Oh, absolutely. We are the men. Yeah, her yeah. and I have had this conversation. I mean, she leads yeah. at such a uh, high level and she's got high standards and all of the things and she's beautiful and she exercises all the things. Yeah. But, um, no. I've been praying for, mm-hmm. I'm like, where are, I, w- I would hate to be dating right now yeah. in this culture. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And, and men, so, you know, there's this great book. It was one of the best books I've ever written. It's called The Boy Crisis. Mm-hmm. And so there was a time in our country where women were mistreated. Women were second-class citizens. It was terrible. It was wrong. It was ugly. We've overcorrected. Yeah. And now women are dominating in every field, everything. in everything. And our men are failing and our men are struggling and we need strong women to say, okay, if we want strong men like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, how many, how many women? Not, yeah. No, <laughs> right. no, what we need is 4.5 cause you can't have five, <laughs> right. but you need 4.5 strong, morally solid, wise men on the judicial yeah. system. That's what we need. And how are we building and raising those men? And, um, and, and that's what I think we need. But, you know, I mean, men just get slaughtered in this culture. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's rough. And so we need to learn to build them up and, and to, you know, encourage them because it's tough. So yeah. great question. Great question. Thank you, Carolyn. Okay. This is Ashwin from Chennai, India. Okay. Wow. I know. India? Yes. Dude, Sandals International. <laughs> I know. That's what I said. This is like international debrief today. Okay. So my ex-Hindu friend in India became a Christian by seeing Jesus appear in her room. Wow. Jesus told her to follow him, and she has been a Christian ever since. Why doesn't Jesus physically appear to every person in this way if he wants every person to believe in him and be saved? Yeah, and so this is um, 
you know, I, I like to spend a lot of time talking to my Calvinist friends. This is where my theology differs from Calvinists. The Lord does different things to lead different people to Christ. Absolutely. He does not lead us all the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, the Apostle Paul had Jesus appear to him. Mm-hmm. Why, why didn't every Palestinian Jew receive that? Because every person is loved by God, but every person has a different role in the kingdom of God. And so what the reason God appeared to Paul is the same reason that he probably appeared to your friend mm-hmm. because he had a specific task in mind for this individual. So what I would say is this individual ha- probably has an incredible role in the kingdom of God and their role is indispensable to what God wants to do in India. Yeah. And so he wants to make sure that this person knows their role. And so think about it this way. Uh, in World War II, every soldier's life was precious. Mm-hmm. Every soldier's life. But George Patton, uh, Thurgood, not Thurgood Marshall, I forget Marshall's, General Mar- I'll just say General Marshall, their lives were more important for the sake of the world in defeating Nazism. So every life is precious. Every soul matters. But in order for God to bring about his purposes and for, in order for God to bring about his plans from time to time, he intervenes in mm-hmm. human history. This is what miracles are. Miracles are simply God intervening in the way that things are and mm-hmm. changing the very fabric of reality. Yeah. This is what I talk about in my book of miracles. Um, my book of miracles. My <laughs> book called Everyday a Miracle is people don't realize, they often get discouraged when they don't get their miracle. You're asking God to change the fabric of reality. Yeah, absolutely. Which he does from time to time. But for a specific purpose and, 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 and reason. So my last chapter in the book, you know, God used me to raise a little boy from the dead. Mm -hmm. Why? I've prayed over other children that have died. That has not happened. It's not me. Yeah. Why did God do that? You know, what's happened in that city in Kabang, Vietnam, God, God planted a church there in a completely non-Christian town. He did a miracle in, in an OR room, in front of doctors, anesthesiologists, and nurses. And now there's a church there. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes, God will use a miracle and do something miraculous to start faith. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the way he, the, the normative way that people come to faith is we preach the gospel. The gospel is enough of God to turn someone right. to God. So the gospel is enough. That's God. the normal That's way. Right. God. So God does not want to circumvent uh, himself because he wants us to choose to him, choose, choose to turn to him freely. Mm-hmm. But ultimately when he appeared to her friend, right? It's, it actually makes it impossible for her <laughs> yeah, to not, not, not turn <laughs> yeah. because, but he did that for her because she has a purpose mm-hmm. in life. And so I'm going to guess she's a leader. She's a church planter. Mm-hmm. God is going to use her dynamically. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes where the word of God is not present, the scriptures people encounter the person of God. So let me say that again. Where the word of God is not present, people encounter the person of God because God loves all people. Mm -hmm. He loves Hindus. He loves Muslims. He loves atheists. He loves, uh, our society is saturated with the gospel. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that God can't appear or doesn't appear. And and he does um, to times. I feel like the Lord appeared to me uh, when my friend committed suicide Mm -hmm. and I was struggling Mm -hmm. with is he in heaven or not? Right. So God can do this, but that is not the norm. Yeah. And and we need to trust God's word. And so that's a great question. That's a great. Uh, but he's but got the, a 
Second yeah. part to this question. Okay, go he on. says, no one would suffer for eternity in hell if God didn't create it right. in the first place or create us in the first place. God is self-sufficient, so mm. he didn't need to create us. Why did God still create knowing that many will suffer eternity in right. hell? So there's a couple There's a couple issues there. So one is the doctrine of what is hell. Mm-hmm. So that's Christians are not unified on what is that. Uh, second is, he said, God did not need anything. No, but God is love. And yeah. what does love naturally want love to needs do to love love yeah. needs to love and yeah. so love you know you you if you if you were on an island all by yourself and you never met anyone you wouldn't know what love is mm-hmm. by definition for you to experience love you must have someone else this is why the trinitarian understanding right. of god is so important because if the muslim understanding of god is true or the jewish understanding of god is true there may have been a time when he was alone the Trinity says God has never been alone. Mm. God has always, for eternity, been Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is a relational God that in and of himself loves the Father, loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, the Spirit loves the Son. Like they, like yeah. it's this perfect unity of love. So if you want a definition of what God is, he's this unity of, of, of love. So the next thing is, is what is hell? And we could do a whole debrief where we just ask people to send in questions on the doctrine of hell. Yeah. But there are three uh, Greek words for hell. Notice I don't have my notes in front of me. So That's okay. if I say these wrong, <laughs> don't come at me. But the first word uh, Peter uses is Tartarus, which is really a place of torment. The second word is Hades, mm-hmm. which is really just kind of the place or realm of the dead in Greek understanding. And then the third word is is a uh, uh, an Aramaic word, a word that Jesus uses. It's translated in uh, Greek "gena," but in Hebrew, it's "gehenna" or Aramaic. And it's a it's a we think it's a dumpster, like a, a place where you you mm. uh, threw trash and garbage. Mm-hmm. And it may have been a place at one time where the Jews sacrificed children. Mm. We're not sure. You know, I know a lot of pastors have preached sermons on that, but we're not sure. So those are three Greek words. None of them are the English word hell. And so out of that, you know, in Luke 18, Jesus talks about a rich man and Lazarus. Mm -hmm. And let me remind everyone, it's a parable. Right. So out of that parable, the rich man is in torment and in anguish. Mm -hmm. So that's where the idea of torment comes from. But, But he's talking and what he wants is water. So he's not being like, it could be he's really hot day. He's not refreshed. But, you know, and so he's a rich guy. So maybe he's being, you know, speaking to hyperbole. I'm in torment. We, mm-hmm. we don't know. Uh, like if I was in torment, I wouldn't be having a conversation with right. you. Mm-hmm. So that's where that idea comes from. Then for the book of Revelation, the eternal lake of fire. So there's two understandings of hell. One is that hell is annihilation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's the argument of that? So you know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe with him should not, what? Perish. But have, have every testing life. life. So those people believe that the opposite of eternal life is death. Mm-hmm. So what happens to those who don't believe Jesus is you get to live your life, you live it for yourself, you do not live forever, you die. So what happens to you in the second death is you stand before God, you're judged for your life, and you don't live forever. Mm-hmm. The second understanding is that souls exist forever Mm -hmm. and that people exist in heaven forever and in hell forever. What I would say is I don't know what hell is. Mm -hmm. The Bible seems to speak different things, and this is going to make conservatives lose their mind, (laughs) but it speaks different things. Here's what I tell people. Hell is where Jesus said you don't want to go. Yeah. He said this. It would be better that you gouge out your eye and cut off your hand than go to hell. So 
um, and, and, and by, by what, by the way, he didn't say hell. He said Gehenna. Mm -hmm. Every time he speaks of that, well, every time except one, I think, I think he says, uh, I have to look it up when he says Gehenna, when he says Hades, um, because I think when he says, I will build my church in the gates of hell, I think he says Hades. Mm. That's the word that he uses there. But I don't have my Greek New Testament in front of me. But usually he uses the word Gehenna. Gehenna is his favorite term for the place of punishment. Here's the amazing thing, and some of you guys don't know this. In the 13 letters that the Apostle Paul writes, he never mentions hell once. Wow. Yeah. The Apostle Paul mentions two things, the kingdom of God mm -hmm. and wrath. Judgment. Hmm, judgment. Those are the two things that he uses. Never mentions hell once. I don't think that means that he didn't have a theology of hell. I think that for Paul, the evangelist, he was saying, you know, the kingdom of God, which is what we inherit. And, you know, you want to go there. You want to be a part of this. It's going to be great. And then judgment is standing before God. And then whatever happens after that, you don't want that. Yeah. And the wrath of God will come on those who don't believe. So mm -hmm. what that is, how that is. We don't know. So I think it's important that we don't adopt the current cultural Christian view of what hell is. A lot of Christians are divided on this. Um, I was taught in seminary that uh, hell is a never-ending place of torment. As I've matured and grown through the Bible, I see differences. There's a great book. I'll put it in the show notes. It's called Two Views of Hell. Fantastic, non-biased, looks at kind of both arguments um, we just don't know. What I just tell people is you don't want to go want there. It. Yeah. Why would a loving God torture someone forever? I, I just do not understand that. Now, now, let me argue against myself. How many lifetimes does Adolf Hitler need to suffer? Because mm -hmm. there are two things that you need to think about. Not only did Adolf Hitler torture and kill the six million Jews or the millions of Jews, I don't know what the full number was, but he also tortured and, and, and murdered the lives of the living yeah. who lost their loved one. Mm -hmm. It's not just the people he killed. And this right. is oftentimes what we, I think in our judicial system that's so broken, is we fail to consider the suffering of the living. Yeah, We're so fascinated with um, taking care of the criminals that we don't ever think about the victims mm -hmm. in our culture. And um, so I think that's important. So how many lifetimes should... Hitler suffer. I would say more than one. Mm. I, I would vote. Like if God asked me, I'd be like, yeah, I, I, he could give a couple thousand years of mm -hmm. some burning. Mm -hmm. I, I might might be willing to poke right. him a couple times. Right. Um, you know, because because how do you undo that? And then on the reverse side, this is going to blow people's people's minds when Isaiah sees the future. So Isaiah prophesies not about heaven. I'm looking at our staff, but about the new earth and the new heaven. Guess what he sees, Donna? Children. Yeah. Where did those kids come from? I wonder if those are the children of that people lost. Mm -hmm. So how does he restore the tears? What if he allows you to raise them? Mm. You don't lose that child, right? but you got to raise them mm -hmm. on the new earth and That's the new good. heaven where there's no sickness, where mm -hmm. there's no death, where the lion lies down with the lamb, where the child puts his hand in the uh, cave of the viper mm -hmm. and it does not strike. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, I think that a lot of what we've understood as Western Christians has divorced itself from the kingdom of God. And, you know, they're just things. Uh, what's this person's name? This is Ashwin. Yeah. So Ashwin, go to Revelation chapter 22. Um, when the new Jerusalem falls, there's a wall around the city. Mm -hmm. Why? And then it says, so that cowards 
the dogs, and um, I forget the next. There's three adjectives: the cowards, the dogs. Oh, I can't remember the third word. Cannot get in. Mm-hmm. Okay, but they're on the new earth. Sorcerers. sorcerers thank sorcerers. you, sorcerers. See, I'm not a Harry Potter right. fan. I forgot that. <laughs> um, so the sorcerers. So I think that uh, again. What I would say to everybody when we're talking about theology, the most important word for us is the Apostle Paul says, we now see things through a dimly lit mirror. Yeah. We can't see on the other side. Right. Hold on to the essentials. Here's what the essentials is. There's no way for a person to be saved other than through Jesus. What is hell? We don't know. Jesus said you don't want to go there. Yeah. And, and I would say this. People don't realize this. A lot of people think that heaven is communism. Like everything's equal. You've not read yeah, no, Jesus. Not. You have not read Jesus. <laughs> you will be rewarded That's for right. what you have done in this life. That's right. And many Christians, man, they are selling out now and mm-hmm. you are going to miss out later. Mm-hmm. So like uh, Tammy and I tithe every week. I believe the Lord in the next life will pay me back 100 times for mm-hmm. whatever I gave. Mm-hmm. 100 times. Yeah. And some of you, all my cheap Christians, <laughs> you know, you're going to come to my sweet house. <laughs> And, right. and you're going to miss out because you, the Lord is going to bless mm-hmm. you, not just in this life, but in the next Absolutely. life. And you're going to miss out. So I believe, here's what I believe. I believe heaven will be personal. That's good. I believe judgment personal. will be personal. Mm. And so uh, what, some ke- people could be tormented. Some people could just be annihilated. Hell could just be, and some C.S. Lewis argued this way, that hell is a prison that's locked from the inside. Mm-hmm. Wow. So yeah. we don't know. I had a dream when I was in high school that uh, I went to heaven and, um, you know, the Bible says we'll cast our crowns before Mm -hmm. the Lord. And um, everybody had these huge crowns and jewels and they're heavy and they're like lifting them off and they're like casting them before the Lord. And I had a Burger King (laughs) paper (laughs) crown and uh, I was like trying to give it to the Lord. But all I had done was like worth a happy meal, basically. Yeah, the Lord don't like that was in high. That was in high school, and yeah. I remember that rocked me. Yeah, I yeah. woke up from that dream thinking, <laughs> I, I I can't live like this, mm. you know. Amen. And so yeah, yeah, heaven is absolutely personal. We will be rewarded. Yes, you don't want to. You don't want to see me. I won't. I won't have a Burger King crown. Hopefully, it's a little bigger than yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so, by the way, Paul, the person of grace, the, all the doctrine of grace, salvation by grace alone. Paul constantly and consistently talks about the judgment seat of Christ that Christians will stand before and be held accountable. Right. So, all right. Yep. Great question. Thanks, Ashwin. These are great. Okay. A couple more. Amanda from Riverside, our first local. Okay. We have a child. I love this question so much with an intellectual disability. I'm not sure he 100% understands salvation. Is his salvation predicated on my salvation because of his lack of understanding or is there a loophole by which he will be saved? For him, the lines between reality and imagination can blur. Right. This can help him to keep a childlike faith, but also have him, you know, not know what's real. Um, also, can you speak to the salvation of those who clearly don't have any understanding because of diminished mental yeah, capacity? Yeah, absolutely. Man, that's a fantastic it's question. Such a great and question. So, so one of the things that we need to to know about God, there's three things. God is just. Yeah. Just. So what would a just God do mm-hmm. when it comes to a mentally incapacitated child? Mm-hmm. Next, God is love. Yeah. Next, God is good. Mm-hmm. Now, let's read John three sixteen to this. For God did not come into the world to, to judge the world, but yeah. to save the world through Christ. So mm-hmm. John three sixteen. God. So God, so he loved your son. So what I would say is, 
your son's diminished capacity will he will receive a diminished judgment. Mm. God will judge him according to his mental capacity and his capability. His understanding. And so th- what I think he's going to experience is the intellect that he, he's going to be healed in that. And so um, I, I do not believe that he needs to come to a salvation because ultimately how are people saved? I am not saved because... I profess my faith in Christ. I am actually saved because of Christ. Mm. So like, think about this. Um, let's say you murdered my family. Mm. Sorry. I would never. And then, <laughs> and, and then, and then you asked me for forgiveness. Right. D- d- do I owe you? Mm. For, no. Right. And, and that's what many Christians miss is you're not saved because you believed or because you confessed. You're saved because of Christ. Your apology means nothing. Your belief means nothing. Ultimately, it's because of Christ. Everyone will stand before Christ. And actually, the apostle Paul says in Romans, those who are under the law will be judged by the law, and those who are not will be judged, listen to this, apart from the law. Mm -hmm. That's Romans. Mm -hmm. So people are going to be judged, according. this is according to scripture, according to the moral standard that they understand. Um, now, that doesn't mean that there isn't right and wrong. Mm-hmm. So back to Hamas, even if Hamas believes that what they did was right, it violates the Noahic covenant. Mm-hmm. So there are multiple covenants in Scripture. And a lot of people don't understand this. And this is where Christians are so broken. And my conservative Christians, I'm worried about America. The covenants of God were never given to the world. They're always given to the people of God. Mm -hmm. Stop asking your neighbor to honor and follow God's word. That's your call. Mm -hmm. That's your call. Mm -hmm. When you go to Israel, have you been? No. So if you come with me, the Jews have no expectation of you following the law. Right. But in America, Christians think everybody should live like a Christian. It's like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. So the Noahic law is for everyone. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and, and you could go back and read that after the fall. And one of those includes don't murder. Mm-hmm. Anyone whose blood is spilled, their blood must be spilled. It is morally reprehensible to murder people. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, regardless of your religion, regardless of your race, you must be killed. Yeah. Um, and so, so, so there are some things that are for all people in all time. And killing, pe- murdering people is, is condemned in scripture, whether you... Doesn't think, matter. Yeah, it right. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so you should not do that. So, but outside of that, there's a lot of things where, you know, some cultures differ on on what they're doing. And so, what I would just say is that's a great question. Yeah, I, I would trust God, but He is not saved because of you. So that was her question. Yeah, it was. Is there a loophole, yes. or is it predicated on her salvation? No. Um, and you're yeah. saying salvation is from Christ alone. Yeah, yeah. There Christ is alone. so there is no loophole. Right. Even non Christians, if they are saved. Atheists, if they are saved, Muslims, if they are saved, Jews, if they are saved, uh, who am I forgetting? Hindus, if mm-hmm. they are saved, on Judgment Day, the only way they will be saved, correct, is Christ. That's right. And Christ has earned the right to do whatever He wants. He sits on the judgment throne, mm-hmm. and so many Christians have forgotten that. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the beauty. Why am I not afraid? Because I know because I've confessed my sin mm-hmm. and I know because I've believed I have no fear of judgment. That's right. right. I don't have to be afraid of judgment day. Mm-hmm. Now, it could be long. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm sure there's some things that the Lord um, 
consistently throughout my life, the Lord brings things from my past mm. where I just literally say this, Lord, I'm so sorry for mm-hmm. that. Please forgive me for that. Mm-hmm. I should have done better. Mm-hmm. And I, I just bring that up to him, not because my salvation's at stake, but because my relationship with him is at stake and I want the best relationship possible. And so I bring those things uh, up to the Lord consistently. So this is a great question, but everyone will be saved before Christ. And what's interesting is even Muslims, if they understand their doctrine, understand that Jesus executes judgment. Yeah, absolutely. And think about how terrifying that is. The very man they reject Mm -hmm. is the very man they must stand before. Right, right. Yikes. Yeah. So. Very good. Thank you. Man, these are awesome. great questions. Thanks, Amanda. Yeah. Okay, Nathaniel from Tacoma, Washington. Yeah. I've been a follower of Christ for a few near- years now, but the struggle of sexual sin has still been just that, a yeah. struggle. Yeah. Since following him, the sin has continued to weigh heavily on me. What are some practical steps I can take to help avoid the sin, whether it comes in the form of lust, porn, hmm. or sex before marriage? Yeah. I was especially convicted when my girlfriend, who was just now learning about Christ, um, called me out on my sin yeah, and said, we need to work together to stop it. Yeah. I always love it when non-Christians <laughs> help Christians be obedient <laughs> right, to the Lord. Yeah. So let's just stop there. Christians should only date Christians. Mm. The apostle Paul is very clear with this. I have good friends that have violated this. I have family members that have violated this. Yeah. It is it. The apostle Paul said, how can you partner right. in this way with an unbeliever? Yeah. But people do it all the time. And, and and I think the thing is this, it's the same argument that the gay community uses. How can you stand against love? Mm-hmm. And then I hear Christians say this. Well, how can you stand against, you know, love? Because I love this person. Right. Well, because the scripture says, well, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And, and, and here's the thing. How can this woman accept Christ? And so here's the challenge. You want her to come to, to believe that Christ is Lord, but your Lord is sex. That's good. That's that's what you worship. You know, it's not Christ, it's your penis. Right. And so uh, how how on earth is she going to worship the Lord? And this is the same problem mm. with Josiah's reforms. You guys know what they you know what they have in the temple? They have a giant penis. There's a penis in the holiest of holies and and there are male prostitutes. Right. Where dudes go in and have sex with dudes. And and by the way, who's the only person in Israel who knows God and can repeat Hebrew? A woman, Hulda. Mm-hmm. She's like, guys, this is not what the Lord says. And they weep and there's reforms and whatever. And so what I would do is, as a young man, this is difficult. I can say as an older man, this becomes much more manageable. But I have worked on it. Mm -hmm. And and I would say this to everyone. If you do not work and challenge your sins, you will not overcome them. They will overcome you. And so I'm now 52 years old. I, I don't have, I have zero temptation when I'm in a hotel to look at, you know, pornography on the TV or on my phone or, and and by the way, there's such freedom to be able to hand my phone to my wife and not be concerned about Mm -hmm. her finding anything. And there was a time where that was not true. Mm -hmm. There was a time where I I looked at things that I should not have looked at. And and I, and I did things on, on a computer or on a TV at a hotel room. I, I should not have done. And that doesn't just include porn. That includes anything Paul says that stimulates lust. And so what I want to challenge everybody is let's really talk about that word stimulate because I think that we we beat ourselves up so much. Look, if you're a guy and you're young, you're you're going to have sexual desires and God has wired you to want to have sex. It's part of the mechanism God uses to make you cling to a woman, to help you want to do that. Um, and, and, and women struggle, you know, 33% now of all porn uses yeah. for women. So this right. is a growing issue for women as they 
are struggling connecting and finding men right. because our, our whole woke society is broken mm-hmm. and we don't know how to have relationships, right? We've said marriage doesn't matter. It, it matters. It's huge. And so, so what I would say is you just need to draw a heavy boundary right mm-hmm. here and you need to lead her to Christ. And I would start with confessing you're a bad example yeah. and say, when I have had sex with you, I have sinned against you. The Bible says there is no other sin like sexual sin because all other sins, this is what right. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, we commit outside the body, but sex is something that we do inside the body. And here's why sex is so important, because it is God's way of blessing us, listen to this, of an ability to uniquely be like him and create life. Yeah. And create life. When you have sex, God is allowing you to share in his ability. Because sex creates life, and that's why it's so important. And, and so what I would just say is confess that, create healthy boundaries. And um, here's what I've done. I, I threw out the word lust, and I just started looking, okay, when am I stimulated? Hmm. I can become stimulated around a super attractive woman that's not my wife. So what do I do when I'm stimulated? The Bible's clear. Flee. Run. <laughs> don't run pray about away. it. Don't don't run, don't 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 hang around. Don't talk about it. Um, don't 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 share with the woman. Man, I'm super into you. You know, would you pray for me? <laughs> don't don't. I, I've had Christian friends that literally confess their lust to a woman. Oh my goodness! And that turned her on. Like oh. she, and she's like more into it. And um, I was recently sharing, you know, with a young person who was battling with. She said, "Well, this guy knows I'm married." I'm like, "He doesn't care." Hmm. When you're stimulated, you don't care. You know, I tell young men all the time, man, your body only has so much blood for your brain or for penis. It can go one of two areas. And when it goes to your penis, it's not in your brain. So that's why you run from it. And so create a boundary. And when you feel stimulated, just say that I feel overstimulated. That's a very safe word. Mm -hmm. I feel overstimulated and I need to, I need to go and I need to leave. And, um, when God was convicting me of this in a young man, I remember I, I was in a situation where I was overstimulated and I just left yeah. my date, left, left her. And I, I got on her bike <laughs> and left my car and rode away because I, I, that was the only thing I could do. So start with that, create boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, my son is dating. I tell him all the time, horizontal ain't holy. So, so don't get horizontal because, you got to have a plan. What yeah, are we going to do? And really, really focus on two things. Okay. You got the sex part down. So now let's focus on the emotional part mm-hmm. and let's focus on the spiritual part. Mm-hmm. So first of all, let's lead her to Christ and praise God. She's interested. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my friend, Mark Driscoll, you know, when he became a Christian, his wife, Grace, he's like, are we, are we not supposed to be having sex? And mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, I should have told you. <laughs> <laughs> It's my favorite thing. And he, you know, but he got radically saved and he's like, and he said, he's all, this sucks. Mm -hmm. It does. Mm -hmm. Once you've been intimate and not being intimate sucks. But what you need to do is when you're not having sex, it makes you focus on the emotional things, the relational things and the spiritual things. And those are the things, I mean, you're married. Sex doesn't keep you and Devo together. Right. Sex is such a small part of Tammy and I's life together. Mm -hmm. It is so extraordinarily small. How do we honor one another? How do we care That's for one right. another? How do I serve her? How does she serve me? How do I listen to her? We've, we have not had a fight about sex in probably 15 years. We've had plenty of fights about me not listening, me not helping, me not valuing her. All of the things that you need to be focusing on now, those are the things that matter. And by the way, guys, if you're struggling in your sex life, in your marriage, man, work on the emotional part, work mm-hmm. on the spiritual part, work on the service part. 
man, work on those things. There's a great book, His Needs, Her Needs. Mm-hmm. Read that book and just say, how can I, how can I serve you in your needs? Uh, and then if you're a wife and you're married, oftentimes, not in all instances, but sex is a huge part of a man's need. But you know, Donna, I've counseled women where it's her huge need and the husband is unwilling. Yeah. Well. I, I'm not, and I'm looking at these dudes. I'm like, are you What's kidding me? <laughs> you got this yeah. smoking hot wife and she wants to have sex with you and you're like playing video games. And oftentimes it's porn. Yep. It's anxiety mm-hmm. and they're not dealing with their stuff. And by the way, guys, you want, you want to ruin your sex drive, overeat, look at video games and don't exercise. <laughs> and your, your sex drive just goes boom. Yeah. And so, um, so that's what I would say is you have to have to do this. And this is so huge. I have a good friend of mine at Sandals who's gay and he gets so frustrated with the straight people at our church because they're like, Oh, I messed up again. Oh my gosh. And I'm just like, and he, he's, his thing was, he said, I don't understand why the church has so much grace for them. I said, it's not grace. It's stupidity. Mm-hmm. They're going to stand before Jesus, right. not their fellow moronic Christians. Right. I said, they and their stupidity are not the standard Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And I actually was in a, um, an argument. I shouldn't say an argument. I wasn't arguing. I was being argued at, I had a <laughs> relative of mine who just came at me out of nowhere for my stance on gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Cause he's changed mm-hmm. and, um, he's just coming at me. And I just, I just read to him 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I said, those who engage in this, Paul says. Remember I said Paul never speaks about hell? Here's what he says. They will not inherit, inherit. the yeah. kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So quit telling a gay person they're going to hell. Here's what it says. A person, and it doesn't, by the way, gay, homosexual, wrong words. Those who engage in homosexual sex. Right. Because in the ancient world, you were only gay if you received. Hmm. So Paul says, both the firm hand and the soft hand who engage in sex. So what does that mean? Both the one who does it, who's in the active role, Mm -hmm. the male role, and for the man who's in the female role, that's who receives. Neither of those who continue voluntarily to do that will inherit the kingdom of God. And so we need to understand that. And so as Christians, though, you got to read that verse. You know what else it says? For those who engage in sexual immorality. Like the, the 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 gay parts, the controversial part is like, well, well, listen straight, straight, buddy. Yeah, it's all of it. It listen what it says, and then it says greedy, idolatrous, <laughs> yeah. anger, bitterness. And here's the thing: when a believer says, "God, you can't have this area of my heart," mm. you know what God says? Okay, but do you know who inherits the kingdom of God? Those who've given their whole heart Amen. to God, whole heart. And um, here's what this woman needs to know: Jesus said, "How can you describe the kingdom of God?" It's like a man who found a treasure buried in a field. And what did he do? Do we have a name for this guy? Uh, Nathaniel. Nathaniel. What did he do? He went and sold all that he had to buy what he found in the field. And so what you need to show your girlfriend is Mm. you have found something in the field. That's good. That is worth everything you have. And that's what I found. That's what I found. I was with a girl that I was having sex with when the Lord called me. And you know what she said to me? If you go forward, <laughs> she said, we're done. Nathaniel, you know what I said to her? We're done. Yeah. Because I knew. I knew in that moment that my desire for God outweighed my desire for sexual intimacy That's and good. any yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because people say, oh, it's easy because you're married. No, I wasn't married then. And I had a very active, welcoming partner that was like literally, she said, Jesus is going to come between us. And, and, and he did. 
And if Jesus hasn't come between you and your relationships, then I don't know if he's in you because <laughs> he needs to, he needs to come between. And, you know, so much of the, the liberal progressive doctrine is God, you know, Jesus would never divide or, you know, Andy Stanley preached a message this week where Jesus never drew lines. He drew circles. And, and I love Andy Stanley and I've learned so much from him, but do you know what a circle is? <laughs> a circle is a line in every direction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and you are either in it that's right. Or outside That's of it. That's right. And and so, you know, Jesus said, I have I have come to divide families. Yeah. Mother says, against father, <laughs> brother against son. That's I have right. come to bring a sword. That's a line. And one of the issues where there's a line is with sexual boundaries. Yeah. And mm. when we read the Council of Acts, the very first church council that every Christian everywhere affirms is in Acts 15. What are one of the four things that they say you cannot do? That's right. Sexual immorality. immorality. Let me translate it for you. Greek sex. That's what it means. Don't do what the Greeks do. Mm-hmm. You know, when in Rome, uh-uh. Yeah. Not for Christians. Not for Christians. And so we have to say, okay, if Jesus is in me, he's going to come between me and some things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so what that means is I don't look at porn. And ladies, your bodies look nice. You know? If I wasn't a Christian, I probably could look at that all day long. I don't do it. Why? Because Jesus has come between me and what I look at. You know, one time Tammy was, literally she was out of town. She was like, did you look at porn? I'm like, no. Hmm. And I said, do you think I just don't look at it when you're around? Hmm. I said, I don't look at it because Jesus is around. And you know when he's around? Every day. (laughs) All the time. All the time. Everywhere. (laughs) And that's why Paul says, can Jesus become one with a prostitute? Absolutely not. And what he's saying is, what you do with your body, That's you are right. forcing Jesus to be a part That's of. That's right. And, and, and are you thinking about that? Mm-hmm. Nathaniel, you don't go to church. You are the church, buddy. Christ is in, well, I hope he's in you. Yeah. And, so, and that's not to say that, man, this isn't going to be difficult. This isn't a struggle. This isn't a battle. Mm-hmm. And, and this is the other thing that, that, that just saddened my heart for what Andy shared this last week from his church. And, and I loved a lot of what he said. And, I, and again, I love Andy Stanley. But I disagree with what, you know, you know, many of the things that he said. He's got a lot going on right now. Yeah. He said so many gay people have asked God to take it away. Mm. Donna, do you know how many sinful thoughts I've asked the Lord to take away? Mm -hmm. That's right. And and he said, no. Mm -hmm. My power is made perfect in your weakness. I have to serve God despite my sin. Mm -hmm. Whether he takes it away or not, I have to obey. Yeah. I have to obey. And the other thing that broke my heart about what Andy shared is, do we not serve a God of miracles? <laughs> is the gospel so weak and so pathetic that it can't change anyone? That's right. It changed me. It changed me. It changed Completely. me. Yeah. And, 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 and Nathaniel, the Lord didn't take away my lust, but the Lord called me to serve him in spite of my lust. That's right. And so now what I do is I run from things that stimulate me. You know, Tammy and I will watch a show. And and here's the thing, Donna. Boobs and naked ladies don't tempt her. And you know what I told my wife? I said, I can't watch this. Yeah, we don't watch it in our I can't watch this. (laughs) Tammy is completely unstimulated by sex between two people. It stimulates me. Right. And I just said, I can't watch this. Mm -hmm. We I actually did a thing. We were watching this show. I tried to go around the corner on the wall. And I could still hear it. I'm like, still stimulated. <laughs> still <laughs> yeah, stimulated. And part of that's because of what I exposed myself to at a younger age. Mm. And, and by the way, if you haven't looked at porn, don't. I tell my son this all the time. 
it will ruin you. It will wreck you. And even if the Lord forgives you of it and heals you from it, it's it's still it's a scar. In the amygdala. Yeah, it's still a scar. <laughs> yeah. And 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 you, and you don't want that. So Nathaniel, I'm sorry if I've been harsh. I love you. The Lord loves you. But it sounds like God's working in your girlfriend's heart. So let's let her work there and let's see what God does. That's right. Because He may bring you together in marriage. But 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 marriage doesn't solve lust. So. Okay, that was like a thousand word answer. It was really good, though. And I think a lot of people needed to hear that. Whatever the sin is, we serve God in spite of it and our weakness. We die daily, Paul says. He dies every single day. And all of us have passions and lusts that we have to submit to Christ. So very good. So good. Thank you for these questions, everybody. These are amazing. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. You can always submit your questions to move.sc forward slash ask or go to the Sandals Church app, and we will see you next time. Love you guys. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Debrief Podcast with Matt Brown. If you enjoyed this episode, consider liking, subscribing, and sharing it with a friend. If you would like to submit a question to Pastor Matt, you can do so at move.sc slash ask. And if you would like to support the work we are doing, consider donating at donate.sc. Thank you again, and have a blessed day.